0: Welcome to Laughing Your Mascots, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the hungry and tired Lindsay Barnes. Woo. Woo. Welcome. Hi, yeah, thank, you. Hi. Yay. For me. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Um, so jumping right in, uh how did you get started in comedy where are you from just like give us the life story tell us about you oh, man um okay so new york city based
1: uh pretty much born and raised in new york minus like a few years stint in new jersey i graduated high school down in florida i lived there for two years um and then back up to new york for college and i've been in the city for ooh. 22 years um yeah raising two kids there um got started in comedy okay so i took a few courses at ucb i was doing like some sketch writing courses i was uh writing i started a blog years ago um that was my like outlet for like i write funny emails maybe i should do it on a bigger scale um and then, so it was like mainly just writing, I really enjoyed writing, and uh, kind of took a few classes, got my chops up started writing like sketches and then people were performing the sketches and I was like, that's not how I meant that line to be said, and then <laughs> I kind of like, Oh, right, if I want it to be said the way I want it to be said, I am going to have to say it myself. So yeah, that's kind of how the stand up thing came about. Um, And i've been doing that for about five years minus you know four like i so basically took a class started took about four months off then like took another class kind of got it going again took like five months off so i was like in and out for the first couple of years and then the last couple of years have been what do we call this? Madness, craziness, fun. (laughs) I don't know what we call it, but
0: uh, yeah. So in and out for five years. (laughs) Awesome. So what was your first, do you remember your like truly first open mic experience where you went in and you're like, this is what happened? Oh, totally. I loved it.
1: So for the first class I took, they kind of encouraged us the whole time, like, you should be going out to open mics. And I was like, right, like the whole time I didn't really have friends in the class. And I was like, go out to an open mic like by myself. That's nuts. Why would I ever do that? Like, how am I going to ever do this? And like kind of like was eavesdropping Two of the other people were going to one. And I was like, oh, I'll go. I'll go to that one. And I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just sit in on one, see how it all happens, like, we'll see what happens. And it was at the Grizzly Pair. And so I went down, they were like, oh, we probably won't get to you because I was like just a drop in. And they ended up getting to me and honestly could not have been a better or worse, depending on how you look at it, experience in the sense that like, I was like, it's my first time and everyone was like cheering and so welcoming and so kind and generous that I like it was almost misleading in terms of what open mics generally tend to be like, but also great. It was like a just overall fantastic experience and then i was watching crashing not long after that and he gets up at the pair for his first mic and i'm like
0: oh my god i'm like a real comedian (laughs) crashing is such a real show when it comes to like i mean obviously it's the criticism of all stand-up comedy tv shows where it's like okay but things start going well really quickly for you but (laughs) i feel like there's something so relatable relatable about that because or that show picks up on so many things because the train station in the suburbs that he was getting off at was the train station I get off at. And I was like, I know that station, comedy time.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, you yeah. see that like little glimmer of like seeing yourself in it to be like, oh my God, I'm doing the thing. Exactly. What was the thing that made you start taking classes uh, in like even sketch and improv? Um... So I really I, I just really enjoyed writing. And I feel like
1: when I kind of like whittled it down, and this was like years after. I mean, I worked in the music industry. I was in like a family business for 15 years where like we had a store and then this was kind of me being like, well, but what do I like to do? And comedy writing was just this thing that I was like, this is if like if I had my druthers, I never say that expression. I don't know why I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> it like, if I could, you know, dream job situation, comedy writing I- is it. Um, okay, so how do I do that? I guess I should take a class or something. And that's kind of, and UCB was like three blocks from my house or something like that. So I was like, that is pretty simple. And like, please, like, I knew so many people got their start there. I mean, I never really, found my group there, but it's they were great class. I mean,
0: you know, I learned a lot. So. Good. Do you still do a lot of like sketch or anything like that? Or are you still are you mostly like stand up at this point? So
1: I stopped doing it when I started. So it was funny. I did sketch and then I took like a, a couple of improv classes while I was starting stand-up and they are like left brain, right, I don't know, I, maybe it's not left brain, right, but it, it felt like I was like, whoa, I can't do both of these at the same time. And so then I focused on stand-up, but during the pandemic, I feel like I started making my own videos, which essentially are just sketches. Um, and it was like, oh, wait, I could have been doing this the whole time. That's so silly that it, it kind of took the pandemic for me to be like, oh, right like the things that I wanted to do and like, it doesn't have to be this like big production thing. It can just be me filming a silly video in my living room and uh, like that. So I have kind of come back to doing sketches, but like on a very small scale, um, just like the stuff I can kind of produce on my own just cause it's the easiest thing. And especially like with my weird mom schedule, like I hate to kind of Have to rely on other people when i know my like i might have to cancel or can't be a certain time whatever so it's just easiest that way
0: yeah it makes total sense so you talked about this a little bit like when you're talking about getting into sketch and like making videos um like kind of around when the world was shutting down um the theme of our podcast of course is how um comedy has changed during the pandemic Um, so once the world shut down, how did that change your schedule? How did that change your like comedy, the comedy world for you? What were you doing to keep comedy alive? Well, it's interesting. So pre pandemic, if I wanted to go
1: to an open mic, for example, um, there were a couple that were during the day, like when the kids were at school and I could navigate those pretty easily but for the most part it would be like I have to get a babysitter for the kids then I have to travel to the open mic then I have to sit there while everybody goes get my five minutes in head home relieve that so it was like a three hour process in terms of like babysitter and child whatever um and then once the pandemic happened and zoom mics started happening I mean people make fun of zoom mics or you know poo poo them from pillow to post but like I walked into my bedroom, shut the door, got onto a Zoom mic for an hour. My kids were in the next room, like it was fine. Everyone was safe and then got to walk out again afterwards. So I actually feel like during the pandemic, I was able to keep pretty active, if not almost more active than I had been in terms of like, I could go to mics pretty regularly, which then forced me to kind of write more. And that process was super helpful. And I met like tons of great people on those mics, which I think the Zoom mics were great for like feedback and, you know, more uh, of a personal experience. Like a lot of open mics, you go, everybody does their stuff. There's not a ton of like interacting. And like I've had, I've had situations where I've like given someone a joke pitch or, you know, hey, oh, I, I love this. Maybe you want to try this. And like, just been like completely shut down. Whereas like the Zoom mic world felt very like, oh yeah, that's great. Oh, cool. I like, you know, it was, I don't know. It was a very positive experience. And um, I don't know, I just lost the my train of thought. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what happens when I talk for too long. I'm just like, uh, <laughs> my brain's like,
0: just
1: stop now.
0: <laughs> Definitely a very like, writer's room energy on Zoom mics, which was nice because it even though like you definitely lost an element of the being in a room with people on stage, there was way more of this idea that was like, we're sitting here writing almost with each other on the best Zoom mics, the worst ones you were like, okay, I would like to be asleep now, but (laughs) (laughs) but on the good ones, they're really, you're so right, there was so much writing that happened or it became less awkward to DM someone because comedians are so, I don't want to generalize, but I think a lot are not, I want to say socially awkward by nature, but I mean, there's definitely an energy and it can be weird to suggest things to people, but Zoom kind of took away, in a helpful way, let you hide behind the screen, like, hey, I have an idea for you. Yeah. Do you want yeah. It? <laughs> yeah or like th- like the dm like i feel like you can't really it's you can't dm people in real life obviously but like <laughs> <That's a note. laughs> yeah but, like i feel like if you like i feel like you i feel like dm on on zoom kind of has more of like a culture of like you can kind of randomly reach out to people um whereas like i feel like in when you're in person you have to like kind of know someone gen- you don't have to oh. but like I feel like I, I very rarely get feedback from someone who I don't really know. And if they do, I'm like, who are you? Um, whereas like, I feel like zoom is just more conducive to like commentary. Yeah. Um, cause it, it's kind of like, we're all here. Like, what are we even doing? Here? Like, you know, it's just like, there's so many fewer, um, like social rules, I guess.
1: It's true. And it, it's just so easy to be like, Oh, okay. Thanks yeah move on right. like I love it, right. I hate it whatever like I feel like in real life people have like a much harder time being like oh
0: like, it's yeah just, yeah like, yeah yeah and also like then what are you having a conversation like, <laughs> like <laughs> what are we like interacting now right like I mean it's like I mean sometimes people like are genuinely like really get like like smart and nice and have good things to say but I feel like sometimes people will be like hey what have you tried this and I'm like number one who are you number two bad idea and like it's and then you like talk it's like and then if you're like oh I have to go (laughs) Yeah. so I think it's definitely easier this isn't to say podcast listeners who might be like Catherine's mean never talk to her it's not to say that I never want feedback it's just sometimes you you can filter your responses better on zoom totally yeah. yeah, absolutely. And as Lindsay, you even said that, just like with your schedule and with kids and everything, it was a lot easier to be able to shut the door and be like, okay, I'm in a mic now. And there were, you. it kind of took away any excuse, not even excuse, like real or otherwise to be like, I can't go today. Mm-hmm. In this transition out, have you noticed that because of the time spent on it on Zoom, that it's become easier. To work it into your schedule in real life? Or has it become harder again because you're like, oh, everything's moving off of Zoom or has kind of moved off?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I'll randomly jump on a Zoom mic if I feel like my life has been crazy and I haven't been able to get into it, a real life one, but a real life one. I know they're all in real life, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> IRL, that's a thing. Okay. Um, I'm old. It's fine. Um, but I, I, um, I liked the fact that like Zoom was there if you can't get out but if you can get out you know the in person mics are great I then took everything like opening back up and like life resuming, like normalcy and go like, and me being like, I got this and blew it all up in November when we got a puppy, which is super cute. But also like all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can get back out to mics, And then it was like, I can leave the house for one hour. And so I then took like three steps back again, just being like, well, I can't really go to in-person mics, and then kind of tried to find some more Zoom mics or tried to keep some semblance of that, like writing that we were doing during the pandemic going Um, but it's hard it it definitely feels like we're in that transition period and even like as the dog gets older like I can now leave him for three hours so I can go to those in-person mics again and you know uh, when my husband gets home from work I can then go off to evening open mics and think or shows even because oh my goodness we do that again Um, (laughs) so it's it is very like in between right now but it feels like we are moving toward. I mean, I feel like some people are like, oh, I've been normal for two years, it's fine. But I, I very much was in between. And now I feel like, okay, the Zoom mics still are handy uh, when you need them. Uh, and when you can't make the real ones happen, uh, I, I need to stop calling them real versus not real, but. I, th- I think that was also my brain just going like I lost the plot again.
0: Um just <laughs> a weird random question, quickly, because we like to have silly questions too. Um, what if the apocalypse hit, not like the COVID pandemic, like a, a real like a full apocalypse hit, what is your survival strategy? Um I think.
1: I go isolation i think i kind of would treat the apocalypse the way i treat most of my days which is like avoid other people as long <laughs> as i can at all costs just like just just go off and do my thing and survive for as long as possible maybe discover foraging and what that's all about. like i just think finding a pack of other people that like we can survive together. I don't know I've seen survivor that rarely works out like it's uh, (laughs) it's, like too much backstabbing and like not enough of like no I think I think I can keep myself alive I've proven I can keep my kids alive for you know 11 and seven years so let's just go with that keep it tight
0: and see how we get on fair Uh, enough yeah it's a valid strategy I I also think I would try to just like hide by like alone maybe Mm -hmm. I'd make a friend yeah I mean
1: I I legit I think if I knew it was the apocalypse and like had to ration I think we have like a full month's worth of junk food in our cabinet (laughs) I'm like are we are we going to be like peak physical state no but we can make it (laughs) like I don't know Cheetos you can survive on
0: those it was so would, funny. My, my, when the pandemic first hit, my dad's like very panicky about stuff. And he was like, I'm going to order 85 pounds of beans, 85 pounds of rice. I'm going to keep them in the basement and then we'll have them just in case. And he got like a, he got a, um, a fishing rod to le- try and learn how to fish. Couldn't figure out how to fish and then got a spear gun. Uh, I don't think he figured out how to use that either. We're not ready for the apocalypse, but that was the plan um but you have the equipment for it we have the the equipment we
1: never actually got the sorry the spear gun sounds dangerous
0: (laughs) yeah it's uh you you don't know how to use it either so just like sits Catherine what would be your survival strategy it sounds like your dad's amassing equipment but like what would oh yeah I think I don't know I feel like I feel like in isolationism you'll run into other people like there's always going to be like a tribe right and like what if they overpower you right? So I guess you want to try and build the most powerful tribe. So maybe I'll make a little tribe with like a really, really intense entry quiz and make sure that everybody is less domineering than I am. And therefore everybody will be passive towards my leadership. And then (laughs) (laughs) and maybe I'll have like a, like a hierarchy, you know, maybe like I can have some like people I share the leadership with but um that way oh and we have to do something to make sure everybody's loyal um I don't know like (laughs) secrets (laughs) and everybody's biggest secret so that you're like hey like if you that's part of the entry quiz, actually and then and then it's like if you betray me secrets out and so everybody has this loyalty and then um we'll be like the mob Ah. yeah I think we'd survive
1: I love that your test is like half Mensa, half Truth or Dare. Like,
0: <laughs> you—it has to be all encompassing, otherwise you don't get the full picture. True. It's yeah. how, you, how else is
1: it the most powerful tribe? You got to cover all all the points. Right,
0: right. Like, if your favorite TV show is something dumb, uh, no, you are not in our tribe like that's just i can't trust your opinion or judgment right can you
1: imagine like just talking till the end of the world about like with someone who was like i yeah
0: who's like low well violent and wire crazy. and
1: it was like what
0: what is, what is a show that you would not let somebody into your your uh, apocalypse tribe with i think someone who's too into the housewives the real housewives, oh, no. really the real housewives. i do <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, no hate on the real housewives. I just know so many people who like can only talk about the real housewives and like nothing else. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't like those people. There was one time I was at like a work event and it was like right when I like had first started, not the job I work at now. So don't worry guys, but um, at a different job and we were like sitting at a table and I'd like never met anybody before and they couldn't stop talking about the Real Housewives. I know nothing about the Real Housewives. And I was like, I don't, I felt like so excluded. So, so we don't relive that. That's a hard no. I also think Love Island is probably a no because people get really into that show, and I'm like, I don't get it. You can't be in my tribe. (laughs) So if you like reality TV, you cannot be in the Apocalypse tribe. Uh, -uh. I love the show. Is it cake? Is it cake's phenomenal? Oh, 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 it's so good. It's so (laughs) good. (laughs) If that's one of your shows, you that's reality. Yeah, that's true. That is, Mm -hmm.
1: like, that's more, that's so much more reality than the actual Housewives, like. Right,
0: right. So that, Is It Cake fans are definitely welcoming my tribe. Yeah,
1: no, we should rename the Real Housewives uh, franchise, like, Is It a Face? (laughs) 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 See, I like the Housewives, but I'm a hard no on the Kardashians.
0: Huh, interesting. I have gained... I've recently, I knew nothing about them. And then I came into employment in which it's kind of my job to know a lot about them. And in that, I have, I've, I've gained a lot of respect for them and their family. They make business moves. I mean, I don't agree with everything they do, but I think they're in, I think they're intelligent and they're very smart about their branding. Like the reformation of Kim Kardashian, honestly, kind of epic. So I've really come around on the, the Kardashian. Yeah. well, we'll have to discuss that as a tribe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I stand on Kardashian because I never, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I don't really know. They seem, the thing is like, they seem smart. Like, not like smart, smart, but like they seem like they're good business people for sure. But like, I don't know if people who watch the show are then, you know, and I also wouldn't let them in because they're crazy. Yeah. You know? it's not a question of like would the kardashians be allowed in your tribe or kardashian watchers and i feel like i don't i don't have the vibe of the kardashian watchers really that's fair i really don't watch like know their history which is like a weird way to be (laughs) you're just a kardashian historian yeah i think that's really what my life's um amount amounted to it's definitely the weirdest left turn that i have ever made honestly like 40 years from now Maybe people will be, like, studying them. I would not be surprised. I, I wouldn't
1: let watch... I mean, watchers, I would be like, ugh, I cannot discuss that with you uh, mm-hmm. for eternity. But I don't think I would let them in my tribe because I feel like they're so narcissistic that,
0: like... Yeah, they're I'm, definitely not in the tribe. That, yeah. like,
1: they would only ever prioritize themselves, and that's not really the tribe mentality I'm going no. for. Like, I'm. Uh-huh. I, I feel like if i had my way my tribe would be just a bunch of hippies very communal living and the kardashians are not that vibe at all
0: oh hard no on the kardashians the Absolutely not. and plus hard. they're also already on the moon with the other like insanely rich people like right. they have yeah they enough. don't need they don't need tribe protection they i don't trust that they will be loyal to the tribe have you seen the way they treat their family on the show yeah, totally. I and I'm
1: packing. It. I'm not packing makeup for the apocalypse. So like, no. I don't need to like look at them every day, being like, oh, should I be doing something with this right now?" Like, I don't need that.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe though, we could form an alliance with their tribe, and then we have entertainment. Yes, I would. I would be open to an alliance with them because also once in a while they might be like, "You can come here." But also the thing that's tricky about them is just based on like their explosiveness as a group you cross them once and they're like alliance broken now we're after you and i think that's really the thing that gets me i don't believe that the loyalty is there but yeah now that we've delved super deeply into this <laughs> apocalyptic narrative on the flip side of the pandemic we're coming out everything's really opening back up what have you been up to what's your comedy life been looking like um i mean i i feel like i've been
1: doing more shows and that's been fantastic i you know i got into this later in life and so the discovery that comedy was not a meritocracy was like this heartbreaking bubble bursting moment where i was like wait It's not just like, it's not just about being, I'm like, oh, you have to like go to shows and support other people and and be there and network and just that's part of the hustle. And obviously that's really hard for me. Just like if I'm gonna get a babysitter or make sure, sure my husband's home to watch the kids, like I kind of need to be doing a show. So like for me to do that and then just go out to hang with people is super hard, but I'm learning that like the hang is super important. And if you're not there and if you're not a good hang, like no one wants you on their show. And I'm like, okay, like so I'm I'm navigating this like space of doing the shows I can and really enjoying that and like appreciating all the people that will book me, even if I don't come and support like but like I do like I support in other ways Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of getting it rolling again. Um, And it feels like You know, it's so it's almost annoying, like when I go to a show and I see people and they're like, oh, hey, you, will you come and do my show? And I'm like, it's like a reminder that like that is how it works. And you need to be like people need to see you doing the thing to like ask you to do their thing. And like even just like, you know, being on here and like knowing that we have you know what I mean? It's like I I hate that reminder that that is the reality, but I know it is. And so just kind of navigating that and uh, trying to stay active um, for
0: as long as possible. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's definitely the networking aspect is so weird because Catherine and I talk about it a lot, both on and off the pod, if you will. How You don't talk off the pod. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry, that's ridiculous. How dare I insinuate I have actually never seen Catherine. I don't even know what Carly looks like. Well, hypothetically, uh, we have talked about it off the podcast, where it's like as far as arts fields go stand-up is weirdly one of the most streamlined because you do see how you go like oh you're on open mics oh from these open mics there are shows you can audition for and sign up for oh you do well here like you can go here and that's not to say it's not still artsy and complicated but it is more streamlined than being like oh i will be the world's best painter like it's a it's just a trickier thing to even pretend to see a path on but the networking aspect of it is insanely real in a way that's overwhelming it is and it's like hard to keep up with
1: yeah i i see people and i'm like wait they just start oh there are oh they're getting booked on the. oh wow all right okay i didn't realize uh all right like i guess they get to go to more places than i like i don't know the thing is like it's different to the whole painter analogy in the sense that like i'm not trying to be the best painter I am trying to be on shows with other good painters because I think that's the best part is like when you're like on a show that has like a ton of great comedians, you're like, oh, I'm one of them. Like, and it's yeah. like cool thing. And that like, because I don't know, you never want to be on a show where people are like, you were the funniest because I'm like, I don't want to be the funniest. Oh, If I'm the funniest, that can't be like great. <laughs> I want to be like a funny person on a show. I don't know. That's so, that's such a, you would never hear a man say that shit.
0: Uh. <laughs> that is so true, honestly. Never, but like, I totally know what yeah. you mean. Like, that makes sense. And also, I think that mics in general and just the, the culture of stand up, when you first enter any room, uh, maybe this is just in my head, but it, everything always feels like everyone has already been friends forever. And you're, it kind of yeah. has that going to a new school vibe where you're like, how do I break into a friend group that's been established for years? But also that's such an illusion as well that's in your own head. It's just, no, these are people speaking to each other like humans do. Yeah, like not even
1: talking at each other. Like they're like, yeah, I, I, I very much feel that. and 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 I think that's part of me projecting my insecurities about not getting out and not being able to do as many mics or as many shows as I would like to do So then my immediate perception of walking into a room, like you said, is like, oh, everybody knows each other. They're all friends. Like how, how, how I'm not even going to, I can't, how can I talk to these people?
0: Yeah. I also feel like if people like don't talk as much about like the amount of time commitment you have to make, like outside of just going to like mics and like talking to people at mics, even to like be a part of the hang, like for you know, I guess black, I was going to say for lack of a better word, but that's the word that is used. Um, that's the correct word. But, um, like I, I like exactly what you said, where it's like, there are so many people where I'm like, how are they getting on these shows? And it's truly that like, they go to everybody's show and they like hang out there for hours and, and they're like, they like are consciously going and that's just such a part of it. Um, and I feel like when you're like, Oh, you like, you write a lot, you show up, you practice, you go to open mics, like, That's not even factoring in the time commitment of being like, okay, it's a Saturday and I'm going to go from 7 p.m. to midnight hanging out with people's shows. And that's how, like, that's a way that people get booked. Um, Yeah. And I feel like that's just a whole other level of it takes a lot of time to do stand up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's my point. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like, when you think about the time in that, like, if you amortize, like, Your five to 15 minutes of stage time Mm -hmm. at any given performance, and then the hours that went into getting there like, we must all be crazy.
0: Yeah, I don't get it. I like so many times I'm like, why am I in this basement? Like, (laughs) comedy is a super weird thing to pan out on. You have to be very in the moment because if you take a step outside of yourself to have like a big world moment, you're like, what's happening? Yeah like i'm in a basement with a bunch of strangers i already spoke um just watching them speak about <laughs> i don't know what like being in a basement what are we with doing strange. here something they tell you your entire life means you you are in danger and then we like <laughs> elect to do it i've yeah. so many so many hours in just like basements especially like as women we're yeah.
1: typically like the only one or maybe there's another one of us in that basement so it's typically us that's so true mostly <laughs> outnumbered by men in a basement who nine out of ten are talking about their dicks. Like, I mean, like, it's yeah. just like it's their danger. Like, it, we should not be in this situation. We're
0: exclusively red flags and we're there anyway. It makes no sense. <laughs> it's like the
1: occasional hot take on avocado toast. But like, yeah. for the most part, we shouldn't be doing this. But we do. I don't know. But I there. there's also, you know, talking to that um, first open mic experience I had, there's something about being in a basement when you're with like three other people that also feels super authentic.
0: And yeah. it's like,
1: oh, like real comedians talk about the shows that they did to three people in a basement. So I must be doing this thing.
0: <laughs> Very real. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah so as we kind of we're coming to the end of our podcast time um, as we start to wrap up we like to ask people either what's the best advice you've ever gotten or flip side of that is there any advice that you would like to give
1: I mean uh, okay so the best advice okay it's a whole long story but basically my mom and I were walking through the village one day And she like elbows me and she's like, oh, my God, look who it is. And it was Colin Quinn. And he was standing on the street. And I I think now in hindsight, he must have been shooting. I think he may have even been shooting crashing or something. Amy, I don't know. But he was standing on the street corner. And my mom's like, I'm going to say something. I'm like, oh, my God, can you just please not do that right now? (laughs) But like also kind of secretly hoping that she would that's like my mom my mom's like an old jewish mom like just like oh yeah i talked to everyone and everyone loves her and it's really cute she's like this tiny little blonde lady which i know it's weird but anyway <laughs> she like marches up to him and she's like i have to tell you i took her when she was nine years old to go see the filming um old mtv had this game show called remote control And i'm really dating myself now uh but it was like in the 80s uh it was a game show there was a host there were three contestants they sat in like old easy boy chairs and it was like all about like videos and tv and stuff and colin quinn was like the sidekick guy on it and he was like whoa that was like such a blast from the past and like we were just chatting with him and he was so sweet. And he and my mom was like, well, she's actually doing stand up now. And he was like, really? Oh, that's really cool. He's like, can I can I just give you some advice? Uh, You know, you know, the most important thing you can be. And I was like, smart. And he was like, that is very important. He's like, but also, <laughs> you know, just be yourself. Like, just you can be you. No one else can be you. But like, he also was very much like the be smart. Don't if you don't feel like people are at the level to understand your jokes don't dumb them down still do your jokes you'll find your audience for those like you'll find those people eventually but just perfect your jokes right from a really smart place that is your own that like tells your story um and i think that that's really good advice i actually that was I can't remember if it was one of the classes I took, but somebody somewhere along the way said just said the words, tell your story. And every time I get a new notebook, I like write it on the first page because it's like all we can do and like no one else can tell your story. So I like that.
0: <laughs> that's amazing advice. Like I felt that that's beautiful. <laughs> Oh my gosh well yeah so as we um, come near the come to the very end, is there anything you would like to promote like shows social media plug away. Oh, goodness me
1: um Okay, so you can follow me, I have a YouTube channel is Lindsay barnes um where i post these sketches and some comedy videos i try not to burn too much of my comedy on on there but i do post some stuff so it's Lindsay barnes Lindsay's with an e that's like one of my triggers when people like like even though my email address has my name spelled out correctly people will still start emails like lindsay and i'm like that's not you could just it's right it's right there. <laughs> okay. okay anyway uh so uh youtube Lindsay barnes I'm on Twitter and Instagram and this is the like weird confusing part that my friend is always like you can you just change your username and I'm just super stubborn but um it's <sharp> at Miss Spartacus uh originally that started there was a reason Uh, Miss Spartacus is my website so www.missspartacus.com. that's like my blog where I like started writing all my like comedic essays. And so I, at the time, got a Twitter account got a Instagram account under the same name, thinking like, okay, that would be like my brand, not realizing that like, no, your name is your brand. Once you're doing stand-up, and that's like super confusing to have a second name that means nothing to anyone, and like, <laughs> you're like what? What is it? And it's like super hard to spell, and it's ridiculous. But the first few years, I was doing stand-up i wasn't really telling anybody in my like personal life like i you know i have two small kids i didn't want any of the other parents to find out so it kind of gave this very natural nice division of my life where like i didn't have to combine the two things um so yes but that being said i still haven't changed them so they're still at miss spartacus and uh yeah, that's where you can find me. I don't know. My My daughter is like, you should be on TikTok. And I think it's just because she wants to get on TikTok. And <laughs> the
0: only way she
1: can get on TikTok is if I get on TikTok. So maybe I'll add a TikTok at some point, but we'll see. Well, awesome. great. It
0: was so nice to talk to you today. Thank you guys so much. This is so fun. Thank you for listening to Laughing Your Mask Off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review. To keep up with our hosts, follow Katherine at Katherine.Cowen and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week.